Right, hello, welcome to Double Decker Boss, because <laughs> we have a name now. Um, this <laughs> this is a British history podcast inspired by the dollop, where we, where I, Riddy and Lewis, tell a weird story from British history to my friends and co-hosts. Today, I'm joined by Nathan and Paya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've actually the call's actually really loud now cuz I changed the thing to speaker and now it's super loud. I'm going to try and turn it down. I might cut that bit out. But hang on. Right. I don't think I can turn it down, so we'll just leave it like this. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So, let's just get right into the story. The 5th of December, 1661. That's where we're starting this one. Uh, <laughs> so we're starting quite far back for this one. Um, Robert Harley was born in Bow Street in London, the eldest son of Sir Edward Harley, a prominent landowner in Herefordshire, and his wife, Abigail Stevens. He was educated in Shilton near Buford in Oxfordshire. <laughs> So, you know, he's just a guy who was born in 1661. A few years later, in 1665, John Blunt was born, although while he's kind of the main character of this story, I couldn't find anything about his early life. He just comes into it. So, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. So he's just there. So fast forward to seventeen to seventeen ten, and a new party has come to power in England, the Tories. After years of Whig rule, uh, so at the time there was the Whig party and the Tory party that ran like Labour and the Tories do today, pretty much. Um, yeah. And uh, the um, where was I? Robert Harley became Chancellor of the Exchequer, which meant he dealt with all the government's finances. So he's in the Tory party and he's been made the finance guy. Um, it was true um, that at this time a lot of jobs like this would have been relatively easy to do, but this was not the case at all when Robert Harley became Chancellor. Because England in this time loved fighting wars. And in the last 100 years, England had been involved in many wars, which I have a list of just to like dramatise how many wars it's been. <laughs> so um, they were involved in the Dutch-Portuguese War, the Anglo-Spanish War, the Anglo-French War, the Bishops' War, the Portuguese Restora Restoration War, the Irish Confederate Wars, the First Anglo-Dutch War, the Second Anglo-Spanish War, the Second Anglo-Dutch War, the Third Anglo-Dutch War, the Franco-Dutch war the anglo-siamese war and the oh, nine wow. years war yeah <laughs> wow. just couldn't get enough of war. yeah not to mention the fact that uh the english civil war had just happened and the second civil war which restored the monarchy in that 100 year period so in the last 100 years england has fought in what world war Two, the falkland war and um iraq that's it. Did we win any of those? <laughs> I think we won World War Two, <laughs> and the Falklands. Yeah, we <laughs> but yeah, in this time in the 1600s, there was all of those wars that were fought. They were obsessed with war. 
like that's insane for that time as well we're not talking about the medieval times at this point this is like the 1700s and there's all those wars we just couldn't get enough of it <laughs> so yeah not uh so where are we so during oh also during 1710 the english were fighting the war of the spanish success succession and the great northern war which wasn't going to end till 1721 yeah <laughs> so upon receiving um the finance books for england uh well, what's his name? Robert Harley opened them up and saw that England had five thousand pounds to spend in its bank and had around nine million pounds in debt, <laughs> which, if you count for inflation, is a huge number. Basically, Britain was screwed and needed money fast. <laughs> nine million in debt. Yeah. <laughs> I can't like words not good word oh you have no idea where this is gonna go <laughs> you're telling me it's worse yeah yeah oh, no. so um harley couldn't get money from taxes because the government at the time was fiercely divided between the Whigs and the tories there was no prime minister at this time the king still had authority but the parties made the laws and voted on them without um the monarch most of the time and every time one of the parties were in power the other would block everything they tried to do because there wasn't even a prime minister so raising taxes was off the table they couldn't get anything done at all um harley's other option was the newly formed bank of england uh but they wouldn't help him because it was controlled by the whigs and harley was a tory so that's not happening either so harley needed to turn to other means to get his money this is when Harley came into contact with a man named John Blunt, the one who I mentioned earlier that I couldn't find the birth for. Yeah. Um, he was ironically the CEO of the Hollow Sword and Blade Company. <laughs> so he's a man called Blunt and he's running a sword making company. <laughs> Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Good move. Um, but Blunt was actually a man of great intelligence, cunning, and financial prowess. He saw the, the government's crumbling financial state not as a crisis, but a way for him to make money and lots of it. So he's intelligent, but he doesn't care about anyone except himself. Um, and that's going to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blunt had a plan. The first recorded state lottery in England was in 1569. The tickets were on sale at the west door of St. Paul's Cathedral in London. The name of the winner is not recorded. By 1710, the Bank of England, which Robert couldn't get any money from, was running the state lottery. So Harley gave the rights to the state lottery to Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just... Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Blunt unsurprisingly changed the lottery. He upped the ticket price to an insane amount by today's standards, upwards of thousands of pounds, but sold all the tickets um, anyway. He did this by guaranteeing you won something. If you played, the worst you'd make is 10% of the money you'd put in. Um, but this was not good news for the government, who was already in debt £9 million. So Blunt made it so the government didn't have to... would. Uh, would have to pay over 10 years while this did add to the debt it gave the government a huge influx of cash it desperately needed so 
basically you're selling lottery tickets for like a thousand pounds and um saying that if you took a ticket you were still going to make back like 10 percent of what you put in so he kind of isn't even selling them for thousands of pounds <laughs> which is going to be a running theme in this of just like completely unlogicking his way through life is the best way to put it um, but he said so the government wouldn't have to pay, uh, they'd have to pay out over 10 years. So basically the money wasn't going to come back to the people who bought the tickets anyway. It was just like a guarantee, almost. Yeah. Um, so the money that the government got from this would only see them through the next few months because they still had absolutely no money. <laughs> um, so they needed to go bigger and weirder. Harley had two main problems from his standpoint, debt and the Bank of England, who wouldn't help him in any way. So Harley thought, what if he created a company um, to take on all the debt that he would own, rather than the Bank of England? Um, sorry, I'm reading this wrong. I wrote this in one way and I'm reading it in another way. <laughs> um, so basically, he thought he can't get any... Um, debt uh consolidated through the bank of england so he was going to make a company and put all the debt into that company which he would own instead so this is how the south sea company was born um harley and blunt had a jointly devised a scheme to consolidate all the debt in much the same way the bank of england had been consolidating previous debts although the bank still ha held a monopoly for operating as a bank all the holders of debt um, would be required to surrender it to the new company um, formed for the purpose, the South Sea Company, which would in return issue them shares um, in itself for the same nominal value. I'm going to explain this in a minute, but I'm just explaining it to anyone listening who yeah. understands what's being said here. The government would make an annual payment to the company of uh, £500,000, equating to 6% interest plus expenses, which would then be redistributed to the shareholders as a dividend. So basically, the people would, with debt would trade their debt for stock in the company, and the company would keep the company afloat at a much cheaper cost than just paying off the debt. And once the company started making money, the people with shares would get their debt paid off from it, and more, basically. Um, I think we've lost Nathan. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, no. Right, okay, we'll have to do a cut here. Um, we'll be back once we've got Nathan back. Yeah. Right, so we're back. Nathan's back, Payer's back, we're all back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where we were is that, uh, Blunt and Harley had created the South Sea Company, which basically everyone who had debt would trade their debt for stock in this company. And then um, the stock in the company, when the company started making money, they'd make loads of money off the stock and that would pay off the debt, basically, is what they're okay. looking at. Um, the company planned to be a shipping company and was guaranteed a monopoly by the British government to trade in South America, which could be a pretend potentially lucrative enterprise, which hyped up, uh, which was hyped up like mad by the government. The Hollow Sword uh, Blade Company um, and even authors like Daniel Defoe, the guy who wrote Robinson Crusoe, to anyone listening who knows about Robinson Crusoe, 
um, told the people with the debt that it looked like the company was going to make millions. There was just one problem for Blunt and Harley. South America at that time was controlled by Spain. Britain was still at war with Spain. <laughs> so there was no way that the company would be able to do any trading, or in other words, uh, make any legitimate money to pay off the nine million in debt. Blunt and Harley had a plan. Just end the decades-long war with Spain. <laughs> to do this... Yes, it's that simple. Yeah. To do this, the government went mad with propaganda to show Spain they, went, they meant business and um, locked up two prominent figures from the war, John Churchill, the Duke of Marlborough, and Sir Robert Walpole, a prominent Whig politician, who is the third major player in our story. Walpole was born in uh, Horton, Norfolk, in uh, 1776, not 17, sorry, 1676. One of 19 children, he was the third son um, and fifth child of Robert Walpole Sr., a member of the local gentry and Whig politician who represented the borough of Castle Rising in the Houses of Commons. His mother was Mary Walpole, the daughter and heiress of Sir Geoffrey Burwamouth. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that, I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> Like his father, Robert Walpole was a member of the Whig Party. His abilities were recognised by Lord Godolphin, the Lord High Treasurer at the time, and he was subsequently appointed to the position of Secretary at War in 1708. Um, so he became the General of the British Army almost, which is why he was prominent in the war with Spain. Um, and he was General until the Whig government downfall in 1710. Uh, after the downfall, Harley had first tried to entice and then threaten him to join the Tories, but Walpole rejected the offers, instead becoming one of the most outspoken members of the Whig opposition. He effectively defended Lord Godolphin against Tory attacks in parliamentary debate, as well as in the press. Because he was also Secretary at War in 1708, he was the prime candidate for Harley to lock up um, to prove the Spanish he wanted peace. So, yeah, he's been locked up now. Uh, Britain got peace with Spain on the 31st of March 1713, but they didn't wait for their allies to get peace, so they signed for peace independently. This meant they got the worst possible peace deal, essentially surrender. <laughs> the main parts of the peace deal were centred around South American ports. The Spanish agreed the South Sea Company could send ships to their ports, but only one ship a year to each port. <laughs> By comparison, the East India Company at the time was sending fleets of ships to its ports every month to make money. So, they were only allowed to send one ship. Um... So, yeah, they're only allowed to send one ship, which, you know, isn't going to help them make any money. So the South Sea Company could still never make enough money to stay afloat or pay off any of the debt on its own. Uh, but the government had put all their eggs in one basket, so they kept the hype up and the British public were none the wiser to this glaring problem. <laughs> <laughs> Things started to get worse for Harley when in 1714 Queen Anne died without an heir and George I was crowned king. This was a problem because while yes the members of parliament were elected, the monarch also had the right to appoint people to parliament and change up the whole government, which George I did um, because he was a Whig supporter um, along with releasing Warpole from prison. 
So, you know, he's changed the government from Tories to Riggs, uh, Whigs and released Warpole. Um, after Holly had been kicked from power, he was then shot out of the South Sea Company by Blunt, who saw which way the wind was blowing and changed all the board members of the company to Whigs and even convinced the king to invest in the company. So, Blunt has just, um, like, taken over the whole thing at this point and kicked Harley out. Uh, and got the king to be a part of everything. This was a beginning of the madness. You both still there? The connection's a bit grainy. Yeah, connection's just slightly grainy there. But uh, I think it's just, you know, bad connection. Problems of quarantine! You know, I mean, most people do podcasts where they just um, actually sit down with the people, so there's none of this, but I can't do that at the moment, so, you know, everyone listening just has to put up with a bit of a grainy call thing. <laughs> We're doing the best we can. Yeah. yeah. Because the government decided to offload more debt, which meant even more stock being opened on the South Sea Company, making it even bigger, the debt... Um, uh, it was now handling was the debt from the 1710 lottery which blunt himself had set up so now he was profiting from the lottery four years ago even more <laughs> yeah the king also decided to be a guarantor for the south sea company at this point which made it the first company too big to fail which is a common thing being said over the last 10 years about companies and banks and stuff um but this was the very first instance of a company that was too big to fail after there was a brief jacobin uprising against the king um and it was put down the patriotism towards the king was hyped up like mad and that meant that because he was the guarantor of the south sea company share price went up from 100 pounds a share to 114 pounds a share which might not seem like much uh but the company and the government had only agreed to issue as much stock as was needed to pay off the debt at the um, time they agreed to it, the stock price was worth £100 a share. Now it was £114, the extra money was going straight to Blunt, which might seem like just a mad thing, all of what I've just said, because it is unless you understand economics, but I'm going to explain it as we go down this. Um, <laughs> this gave him a big idea. Since this all started, the government had been hemorrhaging money, and with the king's coronation too, the government's debt was now much more than £9 million. It was now £31 million. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Blunt was gonna take it all. <laughs> The plan was this, to make an agreement with the government to issue £31 million worth of stock for the South Sea Company, trick people into buying stock and making it look like the company was making money, um, make people buy so much stock that the market price of the stock went up and profit from the extra money. And this is where I'm going to explain it because I wrote it down here in a really good way. So say a stock, a one piece of stock was worth £1 each. You'd have to issue 31 million shares of stocks to cover the debt. If, while that was being sold, the stock value increased to £2 each, Blunt would make £30 million, uh, £30 million essentially out of thin air. So basically, yeah. if the stock price went up at all, Blunt would make the equivalent amount of money without having to do anything. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, but we're not dealing with ones and twos. We're dealing with hundreds. Times that and add, add it all up. And Blunt could make an unimaginable amount of money out of nowhere. He could make hundreds of millions out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah. Um, to get the government to agree to this... Blunt bribed Parliament, and with the prospect of a near infinite amount of money about to come his way, Blunt bribed each individual politician one million pounds each to vote his way. Stonks. Yeah, definitely stonks. <laughs> yeah. When the bill was proposed to Parliament, everyone sat silent. Making that legal was almost too ludicrous for anyone who had not been bribed to agree to it. And almost everyone had been bribed. But they were still scared <laughs> that somebody who hadn't been would call them out on it. So they just sat there. Yeah. Yeah, they were just like, um, right, should we agree to giving... Uh, Blunt the ability to sell these all the stocks for all of the government debt uh, so he could make all of this money out of nowhere from a company that doesn't make any money. Everyone's just like, well... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Blunt, though, had still not been convinced this was enough to make MPs do his bidding. So he sold them shares in the company for free, which they only had to pay back when they sold their stock. Uh, this gave MPs an incentive to see South Sea stock rise so they would make money from the sale. And if you stretch your interpretation of the law at the time, that wasn't bribing and was technically legal. Also, seeing MPs publicly buying into South Sea gave it um, even more incentive for others to buy into the increasing stock value. So, you know, the MPs are just in his pocket. The only person standing in Blunt's way now was Robert Warpole. This was because Blunt had helped to get him locked up a few years ago, so he wasn't going to be bribed or buy into the South Sea Company because they hated each other. <laughs> Warpole was pushing... Yeah. He's like, you lock me up, I'm not going to take this body from you, I want to see you in prison. <laughs> Walpole was pushing for the government to fix the price of stock, regardless of the market value, which would have completely destroyed the scheme. Because if you fix the price of the stock, then it doesn't matter if the people want the stock more, he's not going to make any money off it. So he was saying we should do that. Um, but having bribed everyone else in Parliament a stupidly high amount, uh, Blunt won out. Because <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> And it turned out that while, yes, Warpole hated Blunt and was not going to be bribed by him, he also could see what was happening and which way everything was going. So he then decided he was going to buy into South Sea stock and secretly bought stocks to make a bit of money for himself. So nobody has any integrity here. <laughs> well, it's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But still, nobody's got any integrity here. Uh, <laughs> so now the law had passed, uh, the hype was so big that the company's stock had increased value to £330 by March, up from 114 uh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, but then in April it started to falter, um, which allowed the uh, massive holes in Blunt's plan to be seen by him. 
If the South Sea Company did not in continue to increase in share price, it couldn't make any money. And that was the only source of revenue. And worse still, if it stopped making money, there was nothing to fall back on and the company would just collapse. The South Sea Company was a borderline fictitious company that was too big to fail. Yeah. He made a company up and the government put all their debt in that company and the only way the company can make money is by selling shares at a higher and higher price. Yeah, but then if you think about it, if the shares are backing anything that's real, like a company that sells something, it's all fake. It's all made up. Yeah. Um, so Blunt had yet another cunning plan. Uh, he allowed people to buy stocks through instalments, 20% straight away, and then a monthly fee to pay the rest off. <laughs> this meant that anybody and everybody could buy stocks. The poorest of the population could go for this. That way, the company would make some money off each of them um, each month, while the stock price continued to inflate and the company would stay afloat. Uh, by demanding, uh, by the demand being kept up from the poor. So, you know, he's just raising money through a really stingy mean now. Um, yeah. The uh, reason no other company ever does this is that um, stock, as stock price continues to rise, um, hang on, sorry, I have to read what I wrote there. The reason no other company does this is that the stock price continues to Oh, right, yeah. The reason no other company ever does this in the history of ever is that as the stock price continues to rise, uh, so these people would sell their stock uh, to pay off their debts and make enough money to do that over and over again. So they'd sell their stock at a higher price, pay off their debts, and use the extra money to buy more stocks to do it again. Is what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, this resulted in people owing upwards of five times as much stock as they could realistically actually pay for. Um, <laughs> the government did nothing because um, they were all making money from this as well as Blunt. <laughs> the share price had now risen to £550, which in today's money is insanely high. Then things started to get out of control. The South Sea Company's stock was starting to slow down again, so Blunt needed something to keep the stock up. He decided to start loaning money to people who wanted to buy South Sea stock. <laughs> he would give them the money, they would buy the stock, and the share price would inc increase. Blunt was now essentially paying people to buy his stocks. Yeah. You think capitalism is bad in America, but... That's just now. In the old times, it was here. <laughs> that's just that's the pure spirit of just earning wealth. Yeah, it literally is. But the stock price uh, continued to increase, even though he was paying people for the stocks. And seeing this, everyone in Britain wanted to start up a company. Some of these ideas included to get the vapours out of people's brains... 
a flying machine, which had no other specifications, buying the Irish bogs, manufacturing a gun to fire square cannonballs, and the most ludicrous of all, for all... And I've got a quote here of it for carrying on an undertaking of great advantage, but no one will know what it is. Yes. So they're essentially um, treating it like Kickstarter, but they're like a flying machine <laughs> and um, taking advantage of a great undertaking that no one knows what is. <laughs> and people bought into this. <laughs> yeah but there were some oh what sorry you go no just like you can't blame people if you're seeing this and someone's increasingly getting more wealth from life you could think oh yeah i could do that too so yeah uh... <laughs> yeah but there were some people trying to start legitimate business too <laughs> So there's not all insane people. Some people are trying to start businesses to fix roads or things like that, you know. Um, Blunt lobbied the government to remove all other companies, legitimate or not, from the stock market. Because if other companies were on the stock market, the South Sea Company was so big that there wouldn't be enough money in the country to keep it afloat with other businesses existing. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so basically he's saying now you have to stop all these businesses because these people need to put their money in my business otherwise it'll collapse and we've got all your debt. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> South Sea needed so much stock and money to stay in business that it was the British stock market and it now controlled the country's entire economy and it didn't even do anything. (laughs) With no one else in the stock market, South South Sea shares, this is almost a tongue twister now, rose (laughs) £400 in a week. Uh... (laughs) This was on top of already needing the whole country to support it. This was called the South Sea Bubble, which is what this um, episode's going to be called, because this is the notorious thing. Um, The practice where the entire country now had to work together to use all their money to keep a fake company and John Blunt afloat. (laughs) (sighs) Yep. The company, though, was still on shaky grounds. Having to pay people to buy their stocks, the company was actually starting to run out of money in reserves. But the only way to make more money was to increase the share price even more. And the only way to do that was to pay more people to buy their stocks. It was a balancing act, and Blunt, technically speaking, hadn't gotten rid of any of the debt. He'd just created an out-of-control capitalism monster. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism all the way. Yep. Despite this, he still pretended he was in control of the situation and was given a knighthood in June of that year. So another thing to note is since the South Sea Company started, and this all started, we haven't even gone a year yet. The South Sea Company started in, like, February or something, and we're now in June. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The South Sea Company was now valued at £300 million, ten times the amount of the government debt they were supposed to take on, even though they couldn't pay it off, 
and due to the loans and the instalment plans, they were now owed about £60 million from the government. <laughs> Yep. And it's not helping at all. It's just given £60 million more debt. Uh, which, at the time, was the total amount of money in the economy of Britain. Because this is not talking about inflation as well. That's all of the money. They are owed all of the money. To put that in perspective, if a company had the same percentage in the United States today, they would be worth $81 trillion. Amazon's net worth in 2019 was $160 billion. The United States GDP is $20 trillion. So they need to be worth $81 trillion. That's how much the South Sea Company's worth at the moment in today's money. That's so much. That's like... I can't even imagine how much that is. Like, no, nobody can. I mean... Yeah, Amazon is only worth $160 billion. No company has ever gone into the trillion dollars in today's money apart from the South Sea Company, and they didn't even do anything. <laughs> <laughs> the South Sea Company was now worth four times the amount of the USA's current GDP, and Blunt was technically the richest person on earth. Not that he could exactly sell the company even if he wanted to, because not even countries could buy it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, also, to reiterate, the South Sea Company was a sham that didn't make any real money. <laughs> but it was worth so much. Yeah. Then the company started to decline again. So Blunt started selling stocks at a lower instalment rate and at a thousand pounds a share while quietly selling all of his own stock in the company. So he's now selling stock at a thousand pounds a share. Yep, a thousand pounds a share. Um. <laughs> This worked briefly, but most people could tell what was happening, so sold their shares. Robert Walpole was one of those people, and so he kept his fortune. Um, but it stopped working soon after, and the South Sea Company would have to make a quarter of Britain's GDP in a year from South American trade to survive. This made people fully realise the company was a sham. In three weeks... The share price of the South Sea Company, basically the whole British economy, dropped from £1,000 a share to £150 a share. Anyone, oh <laughs> anyone who uh, bought late or took out loans was ruined. The capitalism monster was finally dead, but it took the whole nation down with it because almost everyone had bought into South Sea. Bankruptcies and suicides were rampant. Everything closed. Even the Hollow Sword Blade Company collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that his orig original company? Though? It was his original company. With the name of Blunt, he ran a sword company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, I, people don't talk about it enough, but it was the Hollow Sword Company, and he's called Blade. He's basically saying... Run, come on, come on, come all, buy my shit sauce. <laughs> yes, not only are they blunt, but they are also hollow. Yeah. 
This made Warpole extremely popular. He presented himself as the defender of the common people because he was the only one who'd called for a fixed price on the stock back in Parliament and he was the only one who hadn't been bribed or ruined. Um, <laughs> so he was like, look, I'm the same one here. But Warpole really planned to use this to take over the government. <laughs> yeah, nobody's sane here. Nobody's sane. <laughs> As the country was collapsing under the weight of South Sea's fail, the government decided it had to use the Bank of England to bail out South Sea. Warpole stepped in because he had friends in the Bank of England and negotiated a deal for the bank and the East India Company to swap shares with South Sea. Warpole also outright cancelled any debts anyone had to South Sea in loans or instalment plans. This made him even more popular. He's the people's defender now, basically. Um, despite this, um, Warpole, uh, uh, despite Warpole saving the country from collapse, a lot of people had still lost their money and a parliamentary inquiry was demanded, which complicated Warpole's plans because he needed it to look like that he was the righteous defender of the people and agree with the inquiry. I can't say that word. I'm terrible at, um, <laughs> storytelling. Inquiry yeah. Either it's inquiry, eh. But, you know, they're the same thing, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but if people look too closely, um, all of the government, himself and the king, and everyone else with any power will be implicated in the South Sea's um, uh, Watergate sham. I've forgotten the word now. You know, everyone will be implicated. The biggest problem for Walpole was a man named Robert Knight. Knight had been the South Sea Company's accountant, and he had a little green ledger with a list of everyone Blunt had bribed in the government. While Walpole himself most likely wasn't on that list, everyone he needed support from from his plans, such as the King, were on it. So if it got out, it would ruin everything. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Instead of the government simply raiding the South Sea offices and taking the ledger, they sat around debating how to form a commission to look into them. This was Warpole's idea because Robert Knight was going to help Warpole. Knight created a fake ledger to give to the people, only implicating Warpole's enemies and leaving out um, people like the king. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, the real ledger was moved uh, to his house and hid. But then the government finished debating and called Knight in for questioning. So Knight fled the country. <laughs> this is like something that would happen today. Like we're talking about the 1700s, but this is very like clandestine capitalism politics that would happen today. It is just pretty insane though. Um, not before the first day's questioning though, which he didn't really get uh, get them anywhere. And it was on a Friday, and after the questioning, Knight fled, but the government was closed on weekend, so no one noticed he was gone till the following Monday. <laughs> it's not our problem. He's, it's not our problem. <laughs> Knight went to Brussels, which had no extradition treaty with Britain, but Knight wasn't hiding. Everyone knew where he was, because he was telling everyone where he was. Um, so a British diplomat tried to have him arrested. Uh, Knight tried to flee again, but was caught, uh, but still couldn't be extradited. After more backroom politics, Knight slipped away and wasn't seen again for 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. 
Blunt uh, was still around and had started making backroom deals with the commissions to tell them who he'd bribed because he was the only other person who knew who he'd bribed. Um, but it was highly likely that Warpole made a deal with Blunt because the only people he could remember bribing were the people Warpole wanted to get rid of. <laughs> um, Bit of a coincidence. Yeah. This led to um, everyone that Warpole needed getting rid of leaving and Warpole still looking like the defender of the people. Everyone loved him. His popularity was skyrocketing and he only had friends left in the government. Um, now, with all of his power consolidated, Walpole became what historians consider the first Prime Minister of Britain. Ah. Yeah. And all of that was the story of how he got a Prime Minister. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what a plot twist. Yeah. He did manage to take over the government. He became the first Prime Minister. Uh, any passing thoughts? I kind of read through that very quickly. It's a lot longer than the Terry Nation one, and I know it's a lot more to try and understand. No. it was good. Yeah. It's a lot more to try and understand, but it's just insane. Yeah, it really was. Hello? Are you still... Can you still hear us? Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> can you? I think he's gone. Oh, great. Hello? No, no, you're still there? You yeah, still there? connection issue. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I mean, I read through that a bit quickly, and it's a bit, like, complicated. I'm gonna try and uh get all the sources for everything i've got put in the comments or the description yeah. for the videos yeah and if anyone listening wants a much more in-depth version of this and not just my really quick uh summary then just go and look it up for yourself the south sea company look at the sources when i put them in because this is by no means the only thing to know about it because this is just me talking about it with my friends and how insane it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that is the South Sea Company. I read through that one very quickly. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll end this one here now. Thank you all for listening.